Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us at OCC on today. I love weekends like this because I had one sermon uh, from last week that I was prepared to give this week. And then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was ready to go. And then uh, I felt the need to change it. So one of y'all in here has caused this. One of y'all online has caused this. So I had to change it. You, you know when you have to cram, you don't know you have to cram for a final exam because you, you know it's tomorrow and you got to go. Well, that's what happened this week because of somebody in here. And uh, whoever you are, God bless your soul. I pray for you. But um, it's, it's what I have to give. So I, I was compelled to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. It's still on the same topic as I address it, still in the Colossians chapter 3. But whenever, whenever this happens, this probably happens once or twice a year when I just feel like, no, 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 this is where you need to go. So buckle up, and here we go. I'm excited about it, so you better be too. Pray for me. We're going to pray. Uh, I'm going to give you a summer first, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump in because we have a far way to go today. I promise you, um, if you are a if you are a parent, you need to hear this. If you are a grandparent, you need to hear this. If you are single, you need to hear this. If you are single with kids, you need to hear it. Singles, no kids, you need to hear it. Everybody. If you are helping somebody parent their kids, you need to hear it. Everybody. So, if you online, if you're in the house, go tell everybody you know that have kids to come listen to this. Because it blew my world. And it should yours too. For the rest of your life. You don't believe me. Um, we're in a series, y'all. It's in Colossians, uh, the book of Colossians. We're going through the whole book, and uh, we went through chapter 1. Chapter 1 talks about doctrine. Chapter 2 talks about what happens when you try to add something to Jesus. We talked about what that looks like. Chapter 3, when we started out, we talked in the first little part of it about now how do you apply this word of God? How do you apply your doctrine? How do you apply not adding anything to Jesus? And we talked through that as the best we knew how. Now we come to chapter 3. The latter part of chapter 3, right before next week, we go into chapter 4. But we come to chapter 3, and in chapter 3, here's what he's going to argue. He's suggesting that this is how you live out the doctrine that I told you about in chapter 1. He says, if it is true that God is sovereign, if it is true that God is in control of everything, if it is true that God holds all things together, then how should you live? How should you live when it comes to your, your professional life? And we talked about that. Here's what we said last time. If God wants to take you over those he has under you, so therefore you must, in this season, stay under those who God has over you. Let me say it one more time. This is all review. God, last week we said, this main point of last week, God wants you, God wants you and me to get, um, God wants to take you over some people. He wants to take you over those who he wants under you. But the qualification to get over those he wants under you, the qualification for your promotion is you must currently stay under and fight for those above you so that things go well for them. That's the thesis from last week. In other words, we said, you're not working for the person immediately above you. You're doing everything you do for the glory of God. In light of that, he suggests that it's your assignment to be faithful where God has you. That's all last week. This week now, we, we talked about the professional environment. This week, we're going to talk about uh, what it means to, to invest in the next generation. 
So come, let's read and see what he says. Go to verse number 20 of Colossians chapter 3, and let's see what he says. He says, children, everybody loved this verse, by the way. Anybody, no matter who you are, as long as you're over 18, you love this verse, all right? Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Everybody love that verse. Everybody want to preach that verse? You need, don't, you don't want about, do you want it to go well with you? Then you need to obey me. Everybody love that verse. The next one. Here we go. Fathers, read it with me, everybody. Actually, why don't you stand? If you're at home, you stand too. Let's just read this one verse together. Everybody stand. Let's read this one verse together. Fathers, he's talking to you. Dads, he's talking to you. Um, parents, he's talking to you. Here we go. This is the one verse we're going to talk about for the entire sermon today. Here we go. This is why y'all made me change my sermon. Here we go. Everybody read it together. Fathers, Fathers, stop when you're on the sideline yelling and screaming bloody murder to try and get your kids to perform at a higher level. They already have a coach. By the way, I don't need anybody touching no brothers today, okay? Just leave them alone. Leave them alone. Let me talk to them. Let the Holy Spirit does what it does. They don't need your elbow, okay? Nobody needs no elbowing today. Here's all I'm saying. Fathers, fathers, fathers. When they, when they, when they don't get the absolute best, don't, don't antagonize them. Don't, don't, don't try to win a war of words with them. Don't yell and scream over them. Don't, don't, don't have this man to man deal where you trying to show them that you the bigger man, your children, so that they will not become, say the word with me, We're going to talk about that today. What does that look like? What does it feel like to do it in a healthy way? How do you influence these kids? Because here's what I know. Just because you had a parent don't mean you know how to parent. Just because you were a kid don't mean you know what it means to raise one. Because too many of us think we know what it is. Just because you were born. They, they brought the baby out to you. They rolled it out to the car. You now in the car going home. And you'd be like, Lord have mercy. What do I do now? So let's pray for some help as we try to lay it out. Father, thanks for this opportunity to be around your word. Will you now inspire us with what it looks like in the New Testament to parent well? Will you teach us, God, please? Because we really do need it. This next generation, uh, God, we just got to pray for them. Will you help us to create environments where they can thrive? In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, it is, it is your parents' behavior, not their advice, that determined whether or not you want to be like them or with them. It is your parents' behavior, listen, not their advice, that determined whether or not you want to be like them or when you leave the house, if you ever want to go back. I'm going to say it one more time. It is not the advice you give your kids 
that's going to determine whether or not they want to hang out with you later on in life. It is the behavior, how you act. That's going to determine whether or not they want to hang out with you or even be like you or want to have nothing to do with you. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, be more careful about how you live, Jesus in the center, than all the advice you're giving. Okay, okay. It's too early for you not to get it. Um, uh, you have known, you, some of you right here, you don't want to have nothing to do with your parents. You don't want, some of y'all don't want nothing to do with your dad. Some of y'all don't want nothing to have, have nothing to do with your, with your mom. And, and, and it's not because of the advice. It's because of their behavior. Think about it long term for your kids, for your grandkids, for your God kids, for your friends kids, for all of them. It is not the advice that matters. It's the behavior. You see, there are too many of us that care so deeply about changing the kids' behavior when if we just model and let them see what it looks like to follow Jesus and keep him in the center, it would change much more than you can ever imagine. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if it's not in you, it's not going to be in them. See, too many of us want it to be in them, even though it's not in you. <laughs> you want, you think you can fake them out. And they will get, you think, just do what I say, don't do what I do. And the kids are way smarter than that. So one of your goals should be, when they leave home, do they even want to come back and hang out? Do, when, when they leave home, do they care about your opinion? Or have you done such a poor job that they don't care one rip about what you have to say? They're going to learn it from somebody else. You know people who, once they left their house, they say, I will never Go back in that house again or spend any time with them too. I'm going to show you in a minute how, we, how that developed over time. But you know them. You know, you do. Some people, your own parents, that you be like, oh God, if they call me again, what do they, what they want now? Because oftentimes it's easy to believe that it's your advice and not your behavior that matters. So, let's see if we can go down a little further now. So, now what does Jesus have to say about this? This is why this is so important. This was the cause for the change today. Jesus says, if you go to the Bible and you look for great parenting advice from any of the models in the Bible, you aren't going to find none. None. You're not going to find, okay. If you're looking for drama and how not to parent, you're going to find a lot. Well, you, you don't believe me. Let's talk about Abe and Sarah. Let's talk about them too. Dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction. But God, in the midst of it still, brought them all the way through. Listen. So then, when you go to the New Testament, Jesus shows up and he says, I'm going to show you how to love people 
and I'm going to show you how you bring it down to the lower level, and I'm going to show you how you care deeply about people so that they care more about you relationally than your discipline. So he says, one phrase, I want you to love them just like I love you. That's revolutionary. I promise you. It's so simple, but it's revolutionary. He says, I want you to love others just like I love you. And you think, oh, yeah, everybody knows that. Yeah. Well, let's apply it to parenting. I want you to love your kids just like I love you. What? What does that mean? Um... In the Old Testament, there were rules, the Ten Commandments. You had to follow them to have a relationship. God says, here are the rules, you follow them, and maybe we can have a relationship. Not so in the New Testament. In the New Testament, he said, I left heaven, and I came to you, because I wanted to have a relationship with you. So you were in sin, you were doing everything wrong, And I left heaven to come to you. Why? To deal with the issue, but simultaneously and most importantly, so you can have a connection with the Father. I want you to see what he just did. He prioritized the relationship over your drama. Oh, see, 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 see. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. What Jesus said was, I want you to love your kids more than you Love yourself. I want you to love them just like I love you. So then how did Jesus love you? First Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, here, here's what he says. We can only deal with this. There's no other verse you need to deal with but this one right here. He says, when I love you, love is patient. Which means when you love your kids, if you're going to love them like Jesus loves you, he is, say it with me everybody, patient. Let's talk about patience for a moment. <laughs> Oh, I promise it's going to make sense. Let's talk about patience for a moment. He says, I want you to be patient with your kids. Here we go. Just like I have been patient with you. You still don't get it. It's okay. It's my fault. I'm not communicating the thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to work a little harder. Uh, he says, he says, um, when you were in your messed up drama, I was patient with you. Watch it now. Let me say it another way. He says, if you're patient, I want you to be, I want you to walk at their pace, not your pace. I, I want you to slow it down and walk at their pace. Don't walk at your pace. Because that's what I did to you. I walked at you. I didn't, I didn't say, come on up here. I'm perfect. You need to be perfect too. What you doing going so slow? What you do? Why you can't fix that sin issue yet? I want you to fix it now. It's not what he did to you. What he did to you is he says, I'm going to walk at your pace. I'm going to give you the ideal so you know where we're going, but I'm going to walk at your pace. Preach, pastor. Oh, it's going to make some sense. He says, he says, um, 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 walk at their pace, not at your pace. Now, let me tell you who know how to do this. Grandparents. Grandparents know how to walk at their pace. Now, grandparents have an agenda, so don't clap all the grandparents yet. <laughs> grandparents have an agenda. They know they ain't finna keep them forever. So when they get them, 
They just love spending time with them, and they'll walk slow. Let's go for a walk around the park, and let's walk slowly, baby. Let's walk slow. What you want to do? You want to play? Then let's play together. You. What you want to do? I want to do too. Grandparents don't have this long litany of list of all the stuff they got to get done. Or when the kid come over for four hours, they be like, "I'm walking at your pace. I ain't walking at my pace because my pace is like your pace, so we can just walk slowly together." The challenge is when you're busy and when you got the weight of the world on you, you have a tendency to argue that they should walk at your pace. Come on, come on, come on, come on, Louisville. Come on, Prosper. Come on, Dallas. Come on, come on, come on. So the temptation is going to be you're not going to be patient with them because, listen please, because you're going to want to walk at your pace. But if you're not going to provoke them to wrath, then you got to learn to walk at their pace. In other words, you got to learn to be present. Fully present. Because it's your behavior, not your advice, that's going to determine if they even like you or want to be around you when they don't have to. So number one is patience. Then he says, then he says something else right here that, that blows every circuit. He says, love is not only patient, but love is also kind. See, this is where it didn't mess me up. Love is, say it one more time. Love is. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about what it means to be kind. Whole parenthetical thought. Um, I taught you this a long time ago, and I, somebody taught me, so I'm teaching you. Um, they said, uh, when you're raising a kid, there are four seasons. The zero to five, that's where you're just teaching them discipline. Five, all the way over to about 12, that's where you're training them. 12 to 18, that's where you're coaching them. 18 and over, that's where you're their friend. Do not make the mistake of trying to be their friend when you should be training them. Do not make the mistake to try to be their friend when you should be disciplining them. Don't make the mistake that you ought to be their friend when you should be their coach. Don't make it. Because here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes, because you're not getting stuff from your spouse, you look for that kind of support and love from your kid which therefore makes you want the connection with them at an unhealthy level, and you don't even realize it. Because Jesus says he wants to be in the center. Can I tell you what happened in in the suburbs of most of these cities? It's like the rich young ruler where all you want is you make your kids the center. Not Jesus, your kids. Let me remind you of something. You were a family before that kid showed up. You were a family before that kid showed up. So don't put the kid in the center. That's why the divorce rate is so high after the kids leave. Because most people stay together for the kids because they don't have a relationship. Do not let your kid be in the center. That's making your kid God. Your relationship showed up before that kid showed up. 
Therefore, make sure God stays in the center and make sure your relationship stays healthy so that you can model for these kids because it's your behavior, not your advice that makes them either want to be like you or even come near you. So when you try to make your kids hate your ex, you're modeling a behavior that's going to come back to haunt you later. So make sure, please make sure, that you watch your be. Can they do what you do? Can they model what you have modeled before them? Be very careful. Because what we see today, all across this country, is parents fighting against each other, hoping that the kids don't see. When you're just creating hardness of that heart over time. You don't stay together for the kids. You stay together because God called you to stay together. Don't tell me anymore. Yeah, 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 we're just staying together for the kids. We don't really love each other. We're just staying together for the kids. Do you think they're blind? Do you think they don't know what's going on? Do you think you can just give them advice even if you don't model it? Preach, Pastor. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> go, 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 go. I'm just getting started. Come on. Y'all made me change this whole sermon so you're going to get it all. Don't make anybody the center but Jesus. The way you do that is by keeping him there and then in working on and fighting for your marriage so that the kids see a healthy marriage. So let me give you the five things. I'm coming back to kindness in a minute. Let me give you the five things that researchers said that kids that thrive, here's the environment. These five things are what parents do. So you should do these five, all five. We're going to talk about them real briefly, then get to the meat. Here we go. What do great parents do? Here's what the research says, y'all. Number one. Number one, five things they do. Um, they have fewer rules. Everybody say that out loud to me. They have fewer, real loud, they have fewer. Okay, let me see if I can explain this real quick. Yeah, 10 rules in the Old Testament. You have two in the new. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two governed all five. Watch it, don't miss this. So that's why what you should be trying to do is figure out how can I have the minimum of rules so that they cover all ten. Because the two in the New Testament covers all ten. Your goal then is not to have your kids walk around and everywhere they go it's a rule. Because when there is a rule, you're asking them to lead, you're leading them to the lowest common denominator. What you should do instead is, is strive to create an environment where these two rules cover them all. I'm going to give you two of them, two in a minute. But the wisdom behind that is now they're not walking around with rule, 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 rule. Because you have creatively enough come up with two or three rules that govern the whole deal. Here's what God says to us. Love me with all your heart. And if you do that, secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. That will cover everything. If you love me, then you're not going to do things I don't want you to do. 
If you love me with all your heart, then I don't have to worry about don't steal, don't lie. I don't have to worry about them because you love me with all your heart. So as parents, we need to process what are the two rules that if you get these two right, it changes the environment in your home. We're going to talk about those two in a minute. Number two, second thing. Um, you got to teach them the three Ps. Patience, practice patience, and perseverance. Talk about that in a minute. Number three, you've got to discover and facilitate the kids' talents and interests. You don't tell them what you want them to do. You study them to discover the bent that they have, and then you lead them in the way they desire to go based on how their creator created them. Number four is you want to prioritize... Come here, Colin, Denton County. Come here, suburbs. You want to prioritize your relationship versus the experiences. See, too many people think, I just need to get to Disneyland. Well, you can't go this year because if you go this year, they sold out. So sorry, you can't go. So, so, so you want to prioritize the relationship, not the experience. Nothing wrong with the experiences, but don't think the experiences is going to fix your lack of presence in the house. What they need is your relationship. Not just a fun experience that you can afford because you worked 150 hours, so now you can afford to go. But they don't know who you are because they only know you at the big pay experiences that you give them. Focus on the relationship more than ah, the experience. The last one says, here's what you do. You have a healthy marriage. Here's what you do. Here's what great parents do. You pursue a healthy marriage. So you have a healthy marriage. You create the right environment. And now here's what those just did. They showed you behavior. How do I model this thing? Not just advice. Because when you give advice, they're looking to see if it's consistent with your behavior. And if it's not, then they look at you and say, I'm not following you. I can't wait to get out of here so I can do my own thing. We all right so far? Can we take a little more? I can't hear you. Can we take a little more? All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So those are the five. I filled it out for you already. We're good to go. Let's keep it up then. Let's turn the page over and let me see if I can highlight these five for you and then we're all done. Let me go through these eight guidelines and then we're all done. Here we go. Number one. Number one. According to Colossians chapter three, he's telling you, do not insult them. Do not indulge them. Do not ignore them. Colossians chapter 3, fathers, parents, don't, don't insult them. Don't call them names. Your words are too heavy. Parents, don't call them names. I'm going to use my illustration, but for a completely different reason. Parents, don't call them names. Parents, my same illustration from last week, but I'm going to use it differently now. Watch this now. Parents, this is your chair. Listen to me. When you use your words, no matter what they are, to these kids, let's say this is an 18-year-old ready to leave the house, that's one that's in middle school, and the other one is in uh, elementary school. When you use your words, mom, it's a 100 pounds coming down on them. Dad, when you use yours, it's 500 pounds coming down on them. Therefore, please be careful what you say because you will squash them. You will smash and you will think, oh yeah, I'm just toughening them up. I'm just toughening them up. No, 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 no. Because here's the question they always ask. Do I have what it takes to make it in this world? 
And when you use your words and you're not careful about the words you use, you are smashing them. You are kicking them over. You are telling without that's not what you mean. I know that's not what you mean. I know that's not what you're trying to do. But that's the impact it's having. And they're hiding it in this heart. And if you're not careful with your words, please, Dad, if you're not careful, they're going to look to somebody else for what you're not giving them. And they're going to find it. And I hope it's with people that love Jesus. Because if it's not, then they're going to listen to their words more than they listen to yours. Mamas, can I get a witness? Be careful. Let me ask the dads. Dads, can I get a witness, dads? Come on, dads. Okay, good. All right, here we go. So what am I really trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you what uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, really asks us to do. Check it out. NIV. Here's what it says. Romans chapter 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. How do I do this? How do I be devoted to one another in brotherly love? By giving preference to one another in, say this word with me, by be, by, by give preference to one another in, last time, by give preference to one another in, okay. Here's really what I'm trying to say to you today. <sighs> Obedience rules is too low a, a denominator for you to be striving after. There is something much larger that if you fix this, it fixes their obedience. Their word is honor. Honor. Two things, two rules. Two rules, you can add more, you can do what? Two rules you should have. Number one, honor your mother. Number two, don't lie. Number one, other honor your mother. Number two, don't lie. Two rules. Number one, honor your mother. Number two, don't lie. Those two rules, listen, 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 come on, come on, come on. Those two rules alone solve a lot of our issues. Let me explain what I mean. If you teach your kids how to honor their mom, and the mom teaches how to honor the dad, then you have just raised the atmosphere of your environment to an honor code. So now I want to honor them. What does honor mean? What does honor mean? Well, when you're honoring somebody, here's what you're saying. You're saying to them, when I honor you, I, I, I want to, I want to treat you with admiration and respect. I want to give you special recognition. I will speak well of you. I will value you highly. I want to lift you up. I want you to teach your kids how to honor. I want you to teach your students how to honor. I want you to create an environment in your home of how to Honor. Because when you teach them how to honor, then obedience is second nature because it is a subset of honoring. You will, when you honor somebody, then you would want to do what they say. Now, here's why this is, here's why this is so important. Because when you honor them, then number two, well, the second rule is don't lie. When you don't lie, what you're saying to them when you lie, don't lie not because the Bible tells you so. That's not why you don't lie. You don't lie, listen, because you don't want to hurt the relationship. And every time you lie, you damage 
the relationship. Kids, don't lie. Why, dad? Because when you do, it damages the relationship between mom and child, between dad and child. You're hurting the relationship. Let me bring it back to Jesus when he says, love them as I have loved you. What did Jesus do for you? He came to earth and he died so that he could enjoy a relationship with you. Why does he say honor? Because he knows if you revere God, then you don't want to do anything to hurt God. So therefore you will walk in obedience. And the reason you walk in obedience is because of what he has done for you and you love him so much, you don't want to hurt him. So when you raise the level of honor in your home, you're actually helping them walk in obedience. Jesus. You know this, uh, growing up in my house, um, when we were a little older, my parents adopted a kid and brought them into the house. When they adopted her into the house, she had one question for my family. Here it is. Hey, hey, hey. She called them Uncle Clyde and Auntie Barbara. Hey, Uncle Clyde and hey, Auntie Barbara. Um, um, what's the rules in this house? To which they said, mm. do you know why she was asking that? She was asking that because she wanted to know, how can I find out what they are and then get right to the edge so that I know where to go and where not to go? They said, there are no rules. There's just one word, honor. Because if you honor mom and dad, then it fixes. You don't want to hurt the person you honor. You want the person you honor to be pleased with you. So now you have changed the entire game. We're not talking about, well, you got to do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. You're talking about just honor. So that means when something happens in the relationship and you do something that hurts it, you're not just saying you're sorry. What you're saying is, I damaged a relationship. So since I damaged a relationship, I want to now make sure that relationship is repaired. This is so huge. Let's go to these eight. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Number one, the worst thing you can do is to tell a lie because a lie breaks the relationship. The worst thing you can do is to tell a lie because a lie breaks the relationship. Last time. The worst thing you can do is to tell a lie because a lie breaks the relationship. So kids, the reason you don't want to lie is because mommy and daddy wants to make sure that you know how important this relationship is. You know, the reason you don't want to, the reason you don't want to do anything that God has asked you not to do is because you don't want to break the connection with God. That's why you have communion. The reason you have communion is because God wants a regularly reset motive so that every Sunday you come to church and you do communion, you're having a reset. God, I'm so sorry for disappointing you. I want to make sure our relationship is tight. So since it is tight, now I can go back the next week and serve you and be faithful to you. Listen to me, family. We must come up with creative ways in your home to say to them, hey kids, we want to make sure that this relationship matters. So therefore your, your, your obedience is secondary. The honoring relationship is primary. Okay. My dad, my, my, my son, uh, about three months ago now, um, 
we redid our whole, after, after snowed, we redid our whole garden up front, right? So we redid, took out all the dead plants, put new ones in, and then I put a barrier around it with some smooth stones. I thought I was really being creative. So I put like, like, like a thousand of them, just stones all around the perimeter to um, be a barrier between the grass and the new uh, uh, garden that I created, right? So, so that's what we did. I thought it was cute. I thought it was creative. So did my son. So he decided that he was David and that Goliaths were coming at him. This is a true story. So he decided he's going to pick up some stones. So he picked up a bunch of stones one day and him and his friends decided that they were going to compete in how far they could throw stones at my house. True story. So then they got throwing stones and how high they could go in the air and how high they could go to the rooftop. And, and these are my stones. They're about this big, smooth stones like you see in the ocean. That's what it is. You know, I'm trying to be creative. Well, my son says, I'm going to be creative too. So then he got one of these stones and he threw it. And it didn't go high. It went straight ahead. And in my front yard, there are three curvature windows. And he decided that one of those should go through one of those windows. And it did. So he came, anyways. So then he said, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. His friends left him. (laughs) So then he walks into the house. His head is down. Hey, Dad. What's up, bud? You doing all right? What's going on? Well, something happened, but I didn't mean it. What happened, bud? Well, well, well you got to come see. What happened? No, 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 no. You need to come see. But I promise you, I did not mean to do anything bad. So you've got to understand that before you come see. I didn't mean to do anything bad. His language, so give me some grace. So I walked outside. I said, what's up, bud? It's behind, it's like hidden behind one of them trees, a little bit. So, so I walked up and he says, well, look, let me tell you what I had in my mind to say to him. <laughs> What's wrong with you, fool? Don't you, don't, don't you, don't, don't you, don't. I didn't say none of that. I said, all right, how did it happen? Well, we had a little competition. And it got the better of me. But I wanted to win. But that's where the stone ended up. Okay? Remember now, I'm trying to learn this stuff myself. So I'm like, okay, what you gonna do, Mr. Dad? What you gonna do? So I say, hey, bud, let's go for a walk. So we walked down the street. And I said, hey, bud, because um, here's what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to make sure. I maintain the relationship. A window can be replaced. Him hating me can't. So I said, so I said, so I said, I said, said, okay, but let's go for a walk. So go for a walk. I said, hey, just just tell me that story again. How we got to this? Why why would you think that that was an appropriate thing to do? Help me to understand. Just in your mind. I know in your mind you figure stuff out, but tell me what you think it. He went down this whole diatribe to him on his thing. She says, all right. She says, Dad, what's going to happen? Am I going to get a spanking? I said, I don't know yet. It's good for them to worry about that. 
See, that sometimes you react too quickly and you react, you react in the emotion of it and not just let, put it on them. Don't put it on you. Oh, I know you. Let me, let me have a discussion with mom to see what uh, is an appropriate discipline for this. But when am I going to find out? I don't know. See, let his blood pressure get high, not mine. <laughs> as long as you can, let it stay. As long as you can. <laughs> Mommy comes up. Hey, mom, here's what happened. So, no, no, no. Actually, what I said to her, I said, Mom, come out here. Let me go quickly. I said, Mom, come out here. So, in this suburban neighborhood in Collin County, y'all, for those of y'all who don't know little burbs in north of uh, uh, Dallas, I got some duct tape. Because ain't nobody, every, all supplies gone, I can't get no supplies. So I got some duct tape. Look real ghetto. Got some duct tape because if you let rain get in there, it's a much more expensive and, uh, uh, experience. So I said, I'm going to get some duct tape. One of the boys from church came over. We put some duct tape all around the whole thing. I promise you, if you drive by my house, you'll be like, who lived there? Who lived there? By the way, it's still there. Right now. You go to my house right now, just right there. Here's why. Because I can't get them to come out because they got to measure four times to come figure out who it is, then glass show everything short. So now they say, well, sir, it will be a month later. I say, y'all, they're going to charge me, HOA, going to charge me if they see it. So I hide something right before it. Anyways. <laughs> so we had a good conversation with him, and then we decided, you're not going to get punished for this. I just want you to know that what happens and what happened is we care about the relationship. Here's what I made him do. Listen. Listen. I said, I need you to tell mom you're sorry and I need you to tell dad you're sorry. And then here's what he did. Sorry. I said, oh, no, sir. No, sir. Watch it. Listen. I said, you have to say pronouns. I am sorry. Then you have to tell us what you're sorry for. I am sorry that I was not responsible enough and that I had a, 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 a error in judgment to throw a stone to break the window that's now going to cost mom and dad. First part. Here's the part where you must never miss. Connect it. Don't ever miss this. Please don't miss this. And then you must say, son, here's the last part. How can I repair the relationship now that it was damaged? Do you see full circle? It's not just I'm sorry. It is a relationship was damaged. What do I need to do to connect and repair that relationship? Let me tell you something. If adults learned how to do that, we'd have a much better America today. The reason they don't is because they don't have parents connecting your harsh words to a relationship that's damaged. So you don't just say sorry. You say, I'm sorry, looking straight in the eye. Then you don't say, I'm sorry. You say, I'm sorry because here's what I did to damage this relationship. And then you give the other person the opportunity to tell you, what, what can I do to repair the damaged relationship? Because it's not just, I'm sorry. You hurt somebody. You damage the relationship. Let's repair that. Because ultimately, the relationship and honor in that relationship is more important than the glass and whatever it's going to cost to repair that glass. Amen. 
And until we do that, you will have kids that walk around that have no idea how to honor and that have no idea. I'll tell you one more story, then I'll get back to it. He disrespected his teacher. Oh, no, not in my house, you don't. Because of honor. This was his teacher. His teacher brought him home, and he had a slip that he really acted a fool in class. And I said, oh, you will never let this happen again. So let's talk about it. What's going to happen, Dad? Am I going to get a spanking? Mm-mm. Because if I give him a spanking, he thinks that I only care about the behavior. But I don't just care about the behavior. I care about the relationship because I've got to teach him how to have good relationship with other people. So I said, no, here's what you're going to do. You're going to write this letter. You're going to tell your teacher you're sorry. Then we're going to go and we're going to pick out a gift for her. And you're going to give her that gift to say you're sorry. Then you're going to ask her, is there anything I can do to repair this broken trust? So he went to school. And in front of all his friends, he had to say, I'm sorry. He had to give her the letter. And then he had to give her the gift he brought. And then he had to say, in front of his whole classmates, is there anything I can do to repair this damaged relationship? Do you see what I'm saying, family? Do you see what Jesus wants you to do for him at your personal level? When you disappoint Jesus, he doesn't just care about the sin. He cares about, do you realize that you've hurt, that damaged the relationship with me? And can we get that reconnected? So that when it's reconnected, now we have intimacy with each other, with God. So now the relationship is restored. And here's what else is restored. Honor. And when it is, now I'm not just caring about the lowest common denominator. I care about the relationship. Can I get a witness, fam? Okay. All right, here we go. Let's run through these. My time's up. Let's run through these real quick. Number one says, um, um, the worst thing you can do is lie because it breaks your relationship. Number two says, um, you got to side with, ooh, side with them before you discipline them. Let's talk about this. For, you got to side with the kid before you discipline the kid. Um, the idea of kindness. Let's talk about kindness. Kindness is choosing to lend your strength rather than remind them of their weaknesses. Choosing. When the, when the text, go back, to, go back to kindness for me in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. Uh, the, the text says, love is kind. Kind. Love is kind. What's kind mean? If you're going to apply it like Jesus wants us to, then we have to realize kindness is lending your strength, loaning your strength, and not highlighting their weakness. Listen, family, everybody in the world is going to tell them about what they're not good at. When they come to your house, you must tell them what they're good at. Kindness. Leaning in, lending them your strength, and not reminding them of their weaknesses. Why? Because your kid and your kids and your adult kids. Well, here's what they ask every day they get up and go out. Am I beautiful enough, the girls ask, and the guys ask, do I have what it takes to make it? Your assignment is to make sure you are pouring into them what it takes to be great. And your words matter. Lean kindness into them, please. 
Which is why number two says, I want you to side with them before you dis- let them know that the relationship is more important than the discipline. Okay, let's go. Number three, number three, number three. If you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to let others feel good about themselves. Dad, I'm talking to you now. If you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to make others feel good about themselves. Let me go quick. Um, um, oftentimes, if you ever notice, dads, I do this all the time too. I, I'm coaching my kid. I'm trying to make them better. And then they do something good. But then I want to tell them what they could have done to be even better. Can you just stay in the moment of good and not try to coach them up? They just did something good. Don't stay in the moment of good. I promise you I do this all the time. I noticed I one time the, the dude did a good play and he scored a goal. And I'm like, well, let's go back out there and let's work and show you how you could have scored three goals. No, no, no. I, and all my international friends, if you're here and you're international, come from another country, I know, I know, I know what you do, because I know what your daddy and mama did too. They drilled it into you that you're going to be the best no matter what, and you're going to go. What matters is the relationship. Yeah, I, there are appropriate times to challenge to be the best, but then there are times to celebrate just who they are, just in the moment without coaching. They don't need any more coaching. They've done a great job. Let's celebrate them. Is that all right? Let's try it. All right, let's go. Keep going. My time's gone. Uh, number, number, number five. Um, discipline make a better person. Punishment makes people care about not getting caught next time. Discipline, discipline makes a better person. No, um, 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 discipline makes a better person punishment, when you punish them, then they care only about not getting caught. So therefore, there should be a goal in discipline. Here's your goal in discipline. Please don't miss this. Please. Your goal in discipline is a repaired relationship. Your goal in discipline is a repaired relationship, not them doing the right thing. That's a byproduct of it. The goal in every discipline should be, how do we repair a relationship that has been broken? Will you please remember that, fam? Somebody taught me that. I'm still trying to work it out, but it is correct because that's how God loves us. What he cares is about the relationship because he knows if I get the relationship, the behavior will flow. Next one. What number are we at, fam? What number are we at? Number six. Discipline must, must address the fact that the relationship is broken. I talked about that already. Number seven. Number seven. At the heart of every transgression is a damaged relationship. At the heart of everything that can go wrong with you and your kids is a damaged relationship. Therefore, don't ignore this to address this. Make sure you, the goal of it is to address this because that's how you address honor, not this. Number eight, discipline in the direction of the relationship. I don't know how else to tell you. I'm pleading with you because somebody taught me. Discipline in the direction of the relationship, not just don't ever do that again. Here's what we love to do. You know what? Because you just did that, you're not getting your, all your rights for everything. Your, 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 your television, your iPad, your, your game consoles, all of it's gone for the next five years. Okay. We can do that all you want. Here's what you just addressed. Don't do that again. But you've ignored the fact that they have broken and damaged a relationship with you. All I'm trying to say is that might be some consequences. But don't focus on that. Can you please raise the level up? 
So you're focusing on honoring. Raise the level of honor in your household. So that's what matters to your kids. Don't damage the relationship. Because you're going to be that person. Where your kids don't want to spend any time with you. Because you care too much about what they did. And not the relationships they had. Fam, it's a big deal. It really, really is. It really, 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 really is. So here's what we try to do in our house. We're not perfect with it. We don't do it all the time, but we try. How do we honor in our house? We must think of creative ways to, to, to lift honor. You can't talk to Jada, my kids, can't talk to my wife anyway. Because she's the honored one in the house. You can't, you don't get to talk to her anyway. You don't get to have an attitude. You don't get to walk off, oh man. No, 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 no. Because that's a damaged relationship. I, I, I don't care just about you not wanting to do the chores she just asked. What I care about is you don't get to disrespect her like that. Let me tell you something else. Come on, give me something. You should try this at home, gentlemen. I didn't come up with this. Somebody else taught me this. Nobody sits at the table until Jada sits first. You know what you just taught your kids? You need to know how to treat ladies, and you need to know how to honor moms. And if you raise the level of honor, then you have raised the level of the relationship with your kids. And if you raise that level, then they will want to do what mom or dad has asked because of the quality and the height of that relationship. So all I'm saying in this whole sermon is love them like God loves you. How you do that? Honor them. Make sure honor is high. Because when you deal with honor, you're also dealing with obedience. The more they love the relationship, the more they don't want to damage it. So don't focus on the thing, the issue. Focus, please, on the honor. Father, here we go. Will you help us? Will you help all of us in our relationships at work to honor up? Will you help all of us in our relationships on the sporting field to honor up? Will you help us in our homes to honor up? Will you help every last one of us to learn the beauty of a healthy relationship? And God, thank you for not leaving us without an illustration of it. Because when we were caught in our trespasses and sin, you didn't focus on the sin first. You focused on the relationship. What you wanted was us to have a connection with God, but you knew we could not have one unless you dealt with the issue of sin. So you dealt with it so we could have a relationship, a connection with the Heavenly Father. Will you help every last one of us, whether we are parents or we're not yet parents, or we're helping parents somebody else to realize that what these kids need is the honor relationship so that the more they honor, the more they don't want to disappoint, the more they don't want to hurt, the more they don't want to damage a relationship. Will you teach us all that, God? And when we fail, will you help us to get back up again and reteach it again? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, will you help me give God a round of applause, man?
If that was for you, I need you to send me uh, some kind of text or something. And let me know, email or something. And say, that was for me. Because somebody made me change this sermon. The Holy Spirit did, but, but it's for one of y'all. So I need you to pull that off. All right. If you want somebody to pray with you today, family, then as everybody is leaving in a moment, then I want you to make sure you come down. And as a family, we can pray with you. As a, as a mom, as a dad, as a, as a couple, we'd love that honor to pray for you, okay? So please, please, please don't just leave. Number two, um, men, I need you to register for the men's conference. It's coming. Any men in the house today? Any men at home today? Let me hear it. Just the men. Let me hear you, man. You're going to make me do it again. Any ladies in the house? Why you always make me do that, fellas? Come on, man. All right. Is there any men in the house at OCC? So much better. Much, 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 much better. All right. Uh, fellas, I need you to register for the conference. It's coming up. You don't want to miss it. So make sure you go online and register for it, please. All right. Um, remember, next week is we're throwing shades. And so uh, everybody that comes get us uh, 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 a pair of sunglasses. I'm so excited about it. Uh, uh, and so make sure you do that. And then if you don't know Jesus, then you need to have a relationship with him. And we'd love to tell you a little bit about that. So please, don't just leave. If you're online, just check it out and say, hey man, I want to know more about Jesus. And then fill that out. And then one of our pastors will call you, okay? Why don't the the family online OCC, why don't Isaiah and Denisha, why don't you guys take it up and walk with our online global community? By the way, global community, one more. If you want to be a part of our global community, we meet every Wednesday night at five o'clock. Just ask them and they'll tell you how how we do that. It's a fun time. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Isaiah, Denisha, take it away, guys.